Mia Uni, Uro Neno Iki, Enra Via Chibanai, Miyu Yabo. That's the Shipibo translation for Hello Ayahuasca. I'm here tonight to continue with my process. I'm Gox, and welcome to the Miyu Yabo podcast. Taken from the intro Shipibo translation, Miyu Yabo means my process. This is a platform to capture real life ayahuasca healing journeys documenting the highs and lows, and sharing the lessons that arise at the unlikeliest of times and in the unlikeliest of places. My aim is to create a comprehensive library of experiences that will help people who are thinking of embarking on their own personal adventure, or those who are already in it and looking for new perspectives to help them along their way. If you like the following episode, I'd love it if you clicked follow And also, it'd be gratefully appreciated if you would share it with anyone you think might be interested. None of the content within this podcast is intended to encourage the use of illegal substances. Anything discussed in the episodes are for information and educational purposes only, and all opinions expressed are that of the individual. None of the content should be taken as medical advice, and should not be used as a substitute to any psychotherapist, healer, or shaman. Psychedelics should not be used by some individuals, Therefore, always consult a medical professional prior to proceeding with any experience. My guest for this episode is Eric. Now, a couple of years ago, I attended a course about plant medicines, specifically about ayahuasca uh, and integration and everything that kind of goes with it. Um, And Eric was one of the other participants um, in the course and we connected during that time uh, and we had a number of uh, catch-up sessions uh, individually uh, following uh, or during and following uh, that course and yeah we really kind of connected with the same kind of mindset and uh, he had he said a few things during the course that really kind of connected with me and resonated with what I was thinking and feeling. So I felt a connection to him. Um, and when I was thinking about uh, setting up the podcast and thinking about who to invite on, um, it just felt uh, right to reach out to Eric to see if he would be interested in being a part of it as well. Um, and I'm really glad that he um, accepted so yeah, Eric has a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom uh, about his ceremonies. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing this episode uh, with you guys. And I really hope that you enjoy it. Thanks so much for uh, for coming on and wanting to be a part of this. Um, it's great to connect with you again. And really excited to, really excited to catch up um, and uh, hear your story. Um, in setting up this project, um, I've been reaching out to all the people that I've crossed paths with um, in over the last kind of couple of years because it seems like a really great, a really great place to start uh, with everybody that you've already feel like you've you've met before, you've conversed with, you've got some, uh, you've already kind of got some mini learnings and stuff along that way, and getting your closest people together is always a good start. So thanks for wanting to be a part of this. So, yes, I'm happy to be here. The political climate in the United States, at least, is is uh, moving in the right direction, and things are, you know, moving towards being more lenient and open. And 
I mean, just the other day, there were, I, I love to watch the um, show Jeopardy, um, you know, trivia questions. And But there was a, a question just the other day that mentioned psychedelics. And it's like, that's mm. very mainstream now. Yeah, yeah. What, do you remember what the question was? Um, something about psilocybin, I think, but I don't remember exactly. Okay. Um, yeah. any, anyway, the, the point is that the climate has changed a lot from the Nancy Reagan, just say no, let's be draconian about substances mm. um, that it was 30 years ago. Excellent. That's great. I don't I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really have my finger on the pulse uh, for the UK. Um, but yeah, I still think we're pretty old fashioned. I don't think unless there's some kind of things going on, I think. But maybe I'm just completely off the mark. But yeah, I'm not sure how much we're going to be, how much progress we'll, we might be lost in it. <laughs> and there's a there's a nonprofit group that I um, give money to and, and get the magazine from called the Multidisciplinary um, Something for Psychedelic Studies. It's MAPS. Yeah. And uh, they've been promoting research on um, using uh, entheogenic medicines for um, treating, treatment of PTSD. And so far, the federal government has been very cooperative with them, which is mm, really yeah. good to see. That's excellent. Uh, long, long may it continue. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, thirty years from now, it's going to be a, it's going to be a whole different ball game. Um, well, you know, I I think that would be good, and I think there will be challenges and issues that um, may come up as it becomes more mainstream. And you know, that is a a really um, good topic of conversation and discussion is how how do we handle medicines like ayahuasca becoming more mainstream and how do we make sure that the medicine is used in a right way and and people aren't driven by profits and and all kinds of misuse that can happen and um i have heard some horror stories of people um trying to use it as a party drug or other things like that and so you know there will be challenges aside from government restrictions yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate I don't know anybody that has tried to dabble with this kind of, with ayahuasca recreationally or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, it's, and plus, yeah, we we know that there are a number of horror stories and stuff about it if you do it in the wrong setting and all sorts of things. So it's definitely something to be treated with a huge amount of respect. Yes, and speaking, you know, speaking as someone who is, um I wouldn't say an expert, but I have done probably at least 30 or 40 ceremonies. And I would strongly advise it against working with ayahuasca and anything other than a sacred ceremony. Um, I think it's really playing with fire to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You don't know what you're unlocking. Uh, so that's another great thing about having yourself on uh, somebody to have. Because... Yet a lot of people may only get the opportunity to do this a handful of times. Um, and whilst we try and think that we can do this, uh, uh, you know, a set number of ceremonies and all our problems are all going to go away, uh, we generally learn that it's going to be a process that you go through that can take time uh, and potentially needs to be revisited. So having somebody on that has actually got some experience as well of a good number of ceremonies and what it's like to kind of walk through the process. It's really, really valuable to kind of get these kind of points of view as well. So 
I definitely thank you for offering up your story uh, to this. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, what learnings we what learnings will unfold uh, over this x number of minutes that we end up speaking together uh, today. So so um, I said this is your this is your floor uh, to share whatever you'd like to share. Um, so yeah. How would you like to start your story and how did you kind of come about this in the first place? Okay, I will get to that in a second. I wanted sure. to just um, respond to what you mentioned, which is that there. one of the things I have seen is is people think that it is like a, a magic cure or, or a, you know, sort of the equivalent of a get-rich-quick scheme where you, you do one or two ceremonies and all your problems are solved. And I don't believe that that's how it works. I, I have seen profound and deep healing come from ceremony, but it is also true that you have to go back to your daily life and take the insights that you get from it and do the hard work in your routine daily life. Um, if you if you just go to ceremony and then come back and slip into the same bad habits, you know, um, <laughs> and believe me, that's easy to do. It's um, almost embarrassing to go back and read some of my journals from years ago and see some of the same issues that I'm still working on um, yeah. present back then. Um, so, you know, I believe that peak experiences and deep insights that you can get from a ceremony are incredibly valuable. And it's no substitute for the sort of daily or ongoing practices and discipline that you need to work on your life. Um, you need both. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, definitely. It would be great to learn how uh, you have, how that's worked out for yourself as well, and the kind of yeah. It it's interesting to get people's points of view, everybody's individual points of view about what integration means to them, uh, and how integration has played out for them. Because um, it's such a, I keep saying it, it's such a generic term, um, and you have to generally find your own integration way um so how how did you learn about it in the first place oh uh, well you know i was just thinking back on my my journey um i would say that so growing up i was always um very much into what i call the religion of western science you know pretty pretty hardcore scientific and not really interested in anything spiritual at all and then in my 30s, that started to change. I started to become interested in that. Um, and I had a few experiences with entheogens on my own or you know, with friends, but not in a, in a ceremony setting, um, working with psilocybin a few times and also with LSD. And those were some powerful experiences. Um, but I found myself, I started to become interested in the path of shamanism. I read... Michael Harner's book about it and um, even found a, a local sort of basic class on it and took that. And then it was, I don't know, a couple of years later that I met someone through mutual friends and discovered that he worked with a South American shaman who came up to my area once a year. And so um, that was my first introduction to sitting with plant medicines in a ceremony setting. Okay, so this was very much a case of, I mean, had you heard about it before then, or was it literally yes, just a case? There, there was yeah. a period of a couple of years where I had read about it and was interested, but didn't have any connections or way to experience it. And then, mm. as I said, I met this mutual friend and um, that opened the door. 
cool. Um, and when it kind of presented itself to you then, did you just go, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is this is for me to try it, or was it just kind of like, uh, how would you put it? Yeah, like, oh, I'm not really sure if this is the right thing to do, or, or was it, it was your curiosity, uh, you driven by curiosity and drive to do that. There was no kind of like, unsure you went unsure about it all um well there there was a certain level of um you know nervous anticipation um mm. definitely and a certain amount of that i believe is is appropriate and respectful for these powerful medicines um but so my first experience was actually with um Wachuma or san pedro rather than ayahuasca mm. right, um, okay yeah and so that was a ceremony that involves um walking around a fire all night long um mm. that was a, a powerful and and at times challenging but overall very um, positive experience and um so so the first year i just did the one ceremony and then then when the shaman came back the following year i ended up doing both a huachima and an ayahuasca ceremony okay so up until that point it was just the huachima um and then how did that kind of interact doing the one and then the next one? Did you find that it enhanced the experiences or uh, was it just completely independent? Um, uh, I would say maybe somewhat independent and there was a couple of days to rest in between. Mm. Yeah. So how did the, um, so how did your introduction then to what was your experience with ayahuasca then the first time that you kind of met you met you met her well it's been uh almost 20 years so i 20 wow i'd have to go back and look at my journals i don't remember too much specific about that one ceremony um mm. i will say the the first um probably dozen times i worked with her i would have a fairly strong purge every time Mm-hmm. But did and, that, when you were then, was it, did you feel it as a, as a real healing purge um, during yes. those times? Yes. Definitely. I do, I do, I do, did feel it then and still do feel it that when I purge, it is a releasing and letting go of um, stuff that is no longer helpful, stuff that you want to let go of. Um, mm. So yes, I, I think purging is, um, is definitely healing. And I've learned to not fight it. You know, when I feel a purge coming on to do my best to relax and let it happen and let it flow, um, which is different than probably people's experiences in everyday life. When, you know, when people feel nausea or something, the tendency is to want to fight it. And mm. in ceremony, it's better to, to just let it flow. And um, one of the things that's really interesting to me is that when I do purge, often there's a whole lot of sound that comes with it. Like mm. it's, it's opening the throat chakra. And so I'll just be like, Bleh! you know, just really loud. And um, in, a, in a setting like that, where it's, um, you know, socially acceptable and, and not considered strange to do that, to just let it flow. Um, and that seems to be an integral part of the, of the purging process is that's helping that letting go and healing. Yeah, it's really funny because I've always felt yeah, I don't feel that bothered by being 
by vomiting, which sounds strange. Anytime that I felt, you know, like if you had a really bad hangover and you just kind of realized if I, if I knew that I was feeling terrible, I knew that I would feel a lot better if I would just go and be sick. So to me, I never had a problem with the thought of having to experience the vomiting. And I haven't experienced a vomiting purge. And I almost feel a bit cheated because of that. Because I feel like that's one of the things that I feel like to return to the process, I would be all in for wanting to experience what that kind of purge would be like. Because um, I know that there's a lot of stuff that I know that I feel like I need to get out of me. So I know that everyone focuses on the purge being vomiting. Because, but it's not just that. It can be so many different things. Well, that's that's correct. Um, I've had times when I've I've had what feels like the energetic equivalent of a purge from dancing, where there would be a a song that has a very strong rhythmic beat, and I'm I'm just dancing powerfully to that beat, and it feels like it's pushing energy out of me, and feels mm. similar to a purge in that energetically. Have you ever experienced when you've uh, vomited purging to address what has been purged so you know i've heard if you say if you look at what you've actually purged and ask what it is uh, or actually looked at it to see uh it because sometimes i think when i've heard people say when the experience when you have say vomited in a bucket it it almost has a life of something um and you can say what were you or something have you ever had that kind of experience or not usually. I often when it happens, there's a swirl of multiple emotions and, you know, it's multi-layered, many things going on kind of at once. So it would be hard to just attribute it to one thing. And I'm really more in a space of letting myself feel the emotion rather than trying to sort of analyze it. And mm. so I I haven't so much gotten a sense of, oh, well, this is a specific thing and this is you know, this is this one thing in your life that you've just purged, but it's more like you've got all this old stuff that's all swirled together and it's, um, you've just let it go. And, you know, it's, it's important to just feel it rather than, than be Mm. in my analytical mind about it. Mm. So from the first experience, then I, again, it's a long time ago, so maybe I need to probably move on from this, but, um, do you get a sense of back then coming out of that ceremony uh, with like a renewed sense of being uh, and with some learnings that to take away and in your integration process starting? Um, or have you always kind of been happy with not overanalyzing something? I'm such a head thinker. I analyze everything and you'll tell from... Uh, all my but from all my episodes and stuff it's all about head space head space analyzing something what was this what does this mean and doing going into the detail and stuff i know that i need to start learning to take a step back and and be more feeling and allowing it not to try and rationalize everything too much exactly and yes i'm i am an engineer and have that um analytical mode of being quite a lot um and what i would say is um it is important to try and let yourself feel and 
and be in that state more than analyzing it. Um, I've, I do get insights after ceremonies and some of them are fantastic and some of them are maybe not the best thing to try and actually do in the real world. Some of them might be great ideas that feel good inside but wouldn't really work on the outside. Um, and I find that after ceremony, a great thing to do is just journal them, write them down. I, I try and write just lots of short bullet points and um, don't act on those ideas during the next few days, but just write them down and then wait till I'm kind of grounded and back in my everyday life before deciding which ideas are good to act on, which are maybe not the best. So, you know, mm -hmm. when ceremony opens you wide open and you have this image of having some heartfelt conversation with your difficult boss, um, you know, maybe that's not going to manifest in everyday life. And uh, yeah. maybe you don't want to necessarily even try for that one. Um, yeah. So waiting a couple of days or more to just get regrounded before just jumping into things and changing your life is probably a really good idea. Yeah, and that's one thing we were um, advised not to do is to after the retreat, well, they said, don't go, don't go home and make any big life changes um, straight away because, yeah, I know that I've learned that I'm very impulsive uh, and very quick to jump on something and you're so eager to act on something that you just say, I'm never going to feel anything other than what I'm feeling right this second, which, gem which generally seems to change the moment that I've actually done it. And then you go, oh. I didn't actually think that through. Um, you're just completely acting on the whim of, well, there's nothing wrong with that specifically, but if it takes you down a road which you end up uh, being, um, I don't know what the word is. Yeah, just being too impulsive uh, and not grounding yourself to say, is this the best, is this the best form of action? Exactly. And that's why I've learned that writing those ideas down so that you can look at them later and wait, wait for yourself to become um, sort of reintegrated into your everyday life and wait for the intensity of the ceremony to to dissipate a little bit before deciding to act on any of those things that might come up is a really good idea. Yeah. Do you have a certain do you feel like you have a certain amount of time where that it take? I mean, does it generally take you like a week to grab to to actually start coming down to be more grounded, or can you be more grounded within a few days, or is it just completely different every time? I would say, with more experience, it gets smoother, and so it, it might have taken me several days in the beginning, but now, um, the day after, of course, I'm usually quite tired and feel maybe a little bit like I'm hungover, um, but as far as being sort of emotionally you know spun up or something um usually by the next day i'm pretty much coming back from that and by the certainly second or third day after ceremony i'm pretty much back to my feeling grounded and reintegrated cool um i guess that i mean that also kind of comes with i guess experience of being able to go into that space and being comfortable with what the process is like for coming back down to earth again. Um, I know that my emotions are like so all over the place. Um, and you know, that's so unsettling for me. And I know that one of my things is trying to sh 
trying to squish it down so much and suppress it also, also almost like trying not to feel. Uh, and for me, my, it's trying to learn about learn about feeling is okay. Um, but it feels so intense at the yes, time. Yes, I think the the what I would recommend in that scenario is feel it, but don't act on it. So like, you know, it's a great time for, as I said, journaling or meditating or thinking about it. Um, maybe talking if you have a, a friend who understands your process, um, someone you can talk with. Um, but try and find things that help you come back in ground, you know, take a hot bath, um, be gentle with yourself a little bit, um, give yourself time for rest. Yeah. How long was it um, between, was it, was it another year before you ended up with your next opportunity again yes. after your first so, one? So, so initially with, with the first shaman that I sat with, he, I, there was only an opportunity once a year. So that was true for probably four or five, maybe say four years. And then mm. it was through someone in, in his circle that I met someone else to sit with. And then, um, you know, developed connections and um, subsequently I found several other people to that I've sat with over the years. Um, although several of them have been only once or twice. So there've been really three main teachers that I've sat with a bunch of times. And um, at the moment, really one circle that I've been actively seeing with the last few years. Mm. And having the opportunity to do effectively one at a time do you find that that's adequate um or do you come away from that feeling like i wish there was another one to have a set of them or can it be enough well well usually um what i find is that they they will offer um it's common that they'll offer three nights in a row Mm. And um, some people do that. I find that that's my stamina isn't really up to that. Even two nights in a row is really challenging. And I have done that a few times, but mm. um, even twice is a lot that it's, it's just hard on me enough, both mentally and physically, that um, doing three nights in a row seems kind of daunting. Um, mm. And I, fi I find that you know, there's times after one ceremony that a month later, I, I'm wishing I could do another one. But um, even even at my peak, I've probably only done four or five in a year. And, and mm. that's the most I've done in a year. And I think that's probably enough there, that it gives you enough material to work with. And, you know, if you take what you learn from it and really try and work on your daily life, um, I'm not convinced you need to be doing ceremony all the time. I mean, different people's path is different, of course. I'm, you know, that's just my personal experience is that um, I don't know that I need to do it more frequently, but it's more about um, applying the lessons to my daily life. Mm. And and there is, a, there is an element of remembering it once you get back to your daily life it's it's very easy to have a peak experience and then a couple of months later it fades almost like a dream so you know i don't know that i would need to do ceremony more frequently but working to keep it alive in my heart you know when it feels like it's been a while and you know keep keeping what you the experience vivid in your heart is is uh mm -hmm. something to work on 
do you have experiences uh, or moments like outside a ceremony and throughout your everyday life where you get like a real moment of clarity learning that you can kind of attribute to this kind of process something that kind of emerges do you ever get that where yes. things just happen outside of your that that um, has happened and then i you know there there are moments in everyday life where it might have been months since my last ceremony but i i it's like it's like remembering something that you've forgotten for a while it's like oh yeah that's right i know i need to do this and it mm -hmm. will come back to me and there, there are also moments where i have um well, the word flashbacks is kind of a loaded term but where i i have moments where i can slip into kind of a ceremony headspace um and it, it's not like you know i'm driving my car and suddenly i can't see the road it's not like that at all it's much more mm -hmm. subtle and i could turn off if i want to but there are times when i'm i might just feel a a, a sense of being back in that headspace and it's it's usually kind of enjoyable to to let myself feel that and go into it a little bit mm. that's really interesting and i um, i do have also, I want to mention, I do have um, some recordings of some of the Icaros from ceremony and listening to them throughout the year also mm. helps keep keep the sense of feeling connected. Yeah. And what's your, ex what's your kind of memories and stuff of like experiencing the Icaros during ceremony? Um, or is that too, too vague a question? Um, uh, not at all. Um, I think... Uh, music is extremely important in ceremony and m the the people that I've sat with most often I've been very fortunate have had fantastic music and songs um, some, some of it's just been the leader singing and one of the circles I sit in many of the other participants also contribute songs and mm -hmm. you know some of the songs are just incredibly beautiful and they resonate so well with the medicine that it's it's a you know key part of the whole experience and a couple of times i've sat with people who have not been able to have the same level of songs and it's very noticeably different mm. have you ever um had an have you ever been presented with your own icaro which i've heard can happen i have heard that it can happen it has not happened to me okay would you uh would you be would you be loving to welcome that on? What's your singing voice like? <laughs> um, I have not thought of myself as really being very musically talented and um, being able to carry a tune very well. <laughs> if it's a simple tune, maybe. But <laughs> yeah. so um, if, if they so, if they can deliver happy birthday to me, then I'll be fine. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, you know, if that, if that happened, I would welcome it, but, um, mm. it hasn't yet. And, um, the other thing is I very much admire people who can sing while on the medicine because, you know, there are times when people will sing along with whoever's singing. And I, I try to do that as best I can. And it's hard, as I said, mm. I'm, I'm not, I think not a great singer, even in daily life, but especially when the medicine is still strong, trying to follow along and carry a tune feels really challenging. So I very much admire the people who are good at that. But um, what I want to also say about the songs and the music is that to me, 
ceremony, a lot of people will talk about ceremony as they will only mention the healing aspects of ceremony. And it, it can be very powerful that for that. You know, I've seen people make real progress on healing, you know, deep sexual abuse traumas or things of that nature. Um, so it can be uh, as you know, it's widely known, it can be very powerful for healing. But I don't just go to ceremony for that. Another part is for me that it really connects me with my spiritual path, that it's it provides a sense of reverence and awe at the universe like nothing else I know. And mm. um, the beauty of the medicine and the songs that resonate with it is just indescribable. It's there's you know, I feel like you haven't seen beauty unless you've been in ceremony like that. <laughs> there's mm. nothing else I know that compares. Yeah. I mean, I've heard de one of the things that Dennis McKenna says um, uh, is that this is not just for the sick, it's also for the betterment of the well. Um, so we can all be, it doesn't have to be reserved for that, um, but it can also be, it can make all of us a better people. Exactly. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy. <laughs> because oh no yes the idea that you know when when i see people act like it's some kind of party drug or something oh no it will my experience yeah. and not just for myself but many other people i've observed is that it will bring up your deepest hardest uh fear guilt shame anxiety whatever it is that we tend to sweep under the rug it will bring it up and confront you with it so it is not just a you know, fun, light, easy time. It's it's doing real work. Um, yeah. But along with that is is this feeling of connecting with, connecting with the sacred. Um, and I often feel in the ceremony connecting with the presence of something that's really ancient. That you know, these plants are far older than humanity itself, and I feel that connection. There have been a few times when I've felt a sense of connecting, like seeing things from the plant's perspective. Like I've, mm. I've had a vision where it's it's for for just a moment. It's like I felt like I was the plant and feeling this hot tropical sun shining down on me, and um, you know, again, feeling the sense of connecting with this ancient wisdom that's older than humanity itself. Yeah, yeah, that's um, I mean, just in the going back to the kind of Icaros, uh, and you're saying about people uh, being able to sing whilst under the medicine because um, it's also I've heard that you know it's not so much them singing but it's like the plant delivering and speaking through them I mean I guess that's what the true the true Ikaru I believe is yes um, that it's not so much the person singing but it's almost just like this um, this entity or spirit kind of flowing through them Yes, yeah. I've I've had many people in circles that I've been in talk about that experience. Yeah. In terms of uh, what you mentioned about um, that it will bring up your um, deepest, darkest um, experiences or, or fears, or have you experienced those kind of um, moments in some of your ceremonies or even in many ceremonies? Yes. And in fact, um, by this point, there's a pattern that's um, 
so typical. I would say it almost <laughs> for the last several years, it's almost been that way every time, which is that the first half of the ceremony is where I do the really hard work. That's where all those things come up that are painful and th the things that I have not processed or dealt with. So, you know, it could be grief, it could be fear, it could be guilt, it could be shame, it could be, you know, whatever emotion that I haven't dealt with. Um, so it'll come up and, you know, it. the first half of the ceremony is often hard. It can be, it can feel, and, and it's kind of interesting. It's, it's, a, it's hard when that happens, I can't really separate physical from emotional. So it's just like, it hurts, it, you know, it's, whether it's physical discomfort or emotional, it's kind of all tangled together. And that can last for, again, my sense of time is hard to, hard to say during the ceremony, but probably a couple of hours, I would think. So, so there can be, a, you know, it can go on for quite a while where this is really hard. And um, there've been times when I've had some real doubt, like, why do I do this to myself? This hurts too much. I'm never doing ceremony again. Um, mm. And, you know, it's it's really hard work. But then it's it, eventually it starts to lift. And usually the second half of the ceremony is very beautiful and um, can be quite blissful. You know, the, that after you've done the hard work, you, you feel good and um, just connecting with as I said, the sense of awe and reverence at the universe um, mm. can be quite powerful. So um, for me, that's it's like, I guess, going to church or something. That mm. Do you have a... So, 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 the, okay. so the, in the first half, I, I can question, is it worth it? And then by the end of the ceremony, I usually mm. have come around to a place of saying, yes, it's very much worth it. So do you now then have a, almost a pattern that you recognize and how do you, um, how do you manage through that process of the hard work? Um, what's it like for you to kind of manage that process? Um, well, to the extent that I'm able to remember to do this and to do this, um, trying not to resist is helpful. Mm -hmm. And, um, in fact, uh, three or four years ago, I um, connected with a teacher that I, I work with, not in ceremony, but you know, to, to um, sort of get coaching and guidance about how to work with ceremony. And um, her advice was, don't resist, like surrender more. So you know, even when it's hard, surrender more. And um, the times that since then that I've been able to do that, it has helped so that you know, I still have to process the hard emotions, but I don't have this layer of why do I do this to myself and I regret coming or any of that stuff. So um, that made it easier. The more I can just surrender to it and let myself feel it, even if it's hard. And then um, it can also be helpful when you're in those hard moments to remember um, this too shall pass that, you know, when you're in it, it might feel like it's going to just go on forever, but it will, the storm will clear up and it will subside and you will feel good again afterwards. So um, um, remembering that even when you're in it can be helpful. Yeah. I mean, I just have this, I mean, I guess you, you describing the, the first, cause I've done four ceremonies um, and I feel like one ceremony is a significant, was a significant process. Um, 
and I kind of sabotaged probably all the some of the other ones uh, with my own controlling behaviors and stuff. Um, but the one that I feel like I I surrendered to well, perfectly because I didn't have the choice. It was just like this is you're in it, um, and you're surrendering to it. And I just have this, and it was all a bo- there was no visuals. It was all a body um, experience. Um, and I just remember like hunching over my bucket and just having this, like, I just felt like this intense sickness throughout my whole body. Um, and just, just feeling so weak and so heavy and just thinking I've never felt anything like this before. It's just the strangest thing. And you're just kind of like, you're in it and you're just like, well, this is my, this is my reality now. Um, and it's just like there's no choice but to go with it. Um, and it's interesting being in that space because I know me and my fears and everything outside of being in that space, it's it's all about trying to avoid getting into these spaces because it's almost like your mask or your layer or your, uh, what's it, your default mode network, like they say, is just interfering with the whole process. Um, and like the slide of going from normality, should I say, uh, into the medicine space is a strange way of your, uh, what's the word, your mask or your default mode network, not wanting to let go and gr- trying to grip on. But once you can move past that, you then almost take that away and then you can be yourself that's underneath that to it that you you can connect to that and that's what you can experience that's how you can manage the experience as almost like your true self uh, with your mask taken away so it's such a strange i don't know it's almost like a paradox or a there's an irony that it's like it can be so terrifying going into the space but once you're actually in it it can just be totally different. And you just go, oh, this is a very strange place, but I'm handling it much better than I thought I was going to be able to handle it. Um, so, but it's getting to that space. I've almost likened it uh, in my the way I rationalize my head. Uh, it's like going, deciding that you're going to go into a, a parachute jump um, and the anticipation and the whole process of trying to you know that you've got to get in the plane. You've got to, it takes so much time to actually take off and climb to the altitude that you're going to do for you to actually then jump out. And it's this whole anticipation all the way up until the moment that you jump out. But once you've jumped out, all of that you can put behind you and then you could just experience the experience that you're in. Um, and it's just that journey to the experience. It's such a funny, bumpy road. But once you're in it, you manage it so much better than you can give yourself credit for prior to being in the experience. Um, that's one of my, uh, yeah, that's well, one of my thoughts for the day. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that. I did try skydiving a few times when I was in my 20s. And um, there are some parallels that, yes, the, the nervous anticipation was very strong. Um, in fact, my first or second time I jumped, um, 
I actually did throw up. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> so right, right. You know, my parachute opened, and the first thing as I'm throwing up as as I'm drifting down. <laughs> but um, but look yes, out below. <laughs> but ceremony like like skydiving. Um, there's a whole lot of at least for me a whole lot of nervous anticipation at first, and then you get to a place that's very calm and peaceful. Um, so uh, yeah, that is an interesting parallel. Yeah. There's also the parallel of kind of what you said about that, you know, when you're in it and you're just, I'm never doing this again, because again, you know, that was the first 10 minutes of my onset of that experience was all about, nope, not doing this again. Uh, and even on the come down, when you were just like in your kind of euphoric state, I'm just like, I don't need to do this again. And I've got all these plans of what I'm going to do. And, and then you could, it's an exact example of like, you can easily just jump in and say, right, yeah, I'm never doing that again. And even like canceling your subscription to doing it again. And then six months later, you could just go, oh, why did I cancel that subscription? Uh, mm -hmm. You want to, uh, they say, no, that's one thing that I'm really trying to come to terms with. It's like how you can be so sure about something in that moment. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's just that exact thing. Things change. Things change. For or we shouldn't use the term good and bad because that's exactly what you should. It shouldn't be viewed as good and bad. But it's like this is. Things change. No matter how you feel, uh, things will change. Mm hmm. So where do you feel like? Um, this is a really broad thing, but where, where do you feel like you've come with your? medicine experience in general um is it how can i say this um to to maybe take a stab at what i think you're asking um as far as where where have i come well i have and this i think i this touches one i what i said earlier that the medicine can be very healing but yet you still have the struggle of dealing with your daily life and and both are true. I'm I've made some great progress, you know, since the medicine, and I could argue perhaps because of the medicine. Um, before I started the medicine, I had probably over a decade of some substance abuse issues. I had some real lack fear of commitment issues. Didn't have relationships that lasted very long. Um, I have not had substance abuse at all for 15 plus years. Um, I've been happily married and together with my wife for almost 15 years. Um, so there have been some major changes. And it's still true that I can struggle with uh, time management and sleep patterns and um, getting sucked into too much time on the internet and things of that nature. And those are still ongoing struggles. So yes, it's helped me deeply and it's not a magic cure for everything. Both are mm. true. But, but as I said, to me, it's not just about healing. It's about this connects me with spirit in a way that's um, very powerful and important. Um, so, so, you know, just like someone who goes to a more conventional church, it may, it's not going to solve all their problems, but it may still be very powerful and helpful for them. And, and ayahuasca ceremonies are my church as much as anything is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so what are your, um, 
do you have daily practices that help you with your discipline? Um, well, well, the, the and the, the biggest challenge is to unplug from the hectic modern 21st century life and remember to do them. So to take, to remember to carve out some time to meditate. Um, you know, I do have an altar with objects on it that um, are symbolic of my path or remind me of what's important and so on. And just remembering to take some time to meditate and connect with that um, is valuable and important. As I said, um, listening to some of the recordings of Icaros I have um, can be very helpful. Um, and sometimes drumming. Um, I often, well, regularly, I wouldn't say often, but um, maybe once a month or so, I go out in my backyard and I have a little fire pit and do a little sort of ritual with fire and connecting with that fire spirit and and letting go of stuff if I need to, um, mm. you know, can, and taking time to connect with nature. Um, I also have worked with some teachers and continue to work with teachers who um, do shamanic traditions that don't involve plant medicines. It's not, not all of the shamanic paths do work with entheogens. I have one teacher who does not work with that at all, and um, but especially um, good at connecting with animal spirits. So I, I do work with an animal spirit guide, um, and I've um, worked with tree spirits as well. Um, so, so finding other teachers and guides that I can work with outside of ceremony, and again, the biggest challenge is remembering to take the time to, to do it. How do they, um, how do they operate uh, some of these uh, shamanic practices that uh, don't that aren't using the um, entheogens? Like so you, you said about the animal working with animal spirits and tree spirits and stuff. I mean, how does that how does that work? Well, the the classic technique and. This is where I kind of start on the path reading Michael Harner talking about this is um, by um, drumming is the is the most common um, or you could use a rattle or some other instrument, but um, a, a rapid beat, you know, a, a rapid drum beat that's da 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 da, you know, about that fast. And that can help you let go of your default mode network and ordinary state of consciousness. And, you know, people are able to to journey into, um, they, they talk about the lower world or the upper world and where they could meet various teachers and guides. And I've, I've worked with that many times. I'm still not very good at it. And that's one thing I like about the plant medicines is I don't get caught up in this whole, am I doing it right? It's not happening. What's wrong? All that sort of chatter. Cause, uh, ayahuasca will take you somewhere there i don't have to worry that nothing's going to happen <laughs> yeah. um, but but with journeying just with things like drumming sometimes it happens sometimes i get nothing but sometimes i'll get brief um snippets of of an insider vision um and so i it's still it's still worthwhile to work with these other modalities as well but when you say it is it like are you trying to meditate to the sound of somebody else doing the drumming or is it something that you are drumming yourself uh, typically you will have someone else drumming either in person or you can get recordings of that there's um mm. you know there's cds i have of shamanic drumming for that purpose 
and then and one of my teachers will do a guided meditation that will take you you know you're you're going down into deep into the earth and then you emerge into a clearing and you know mm -hmm. see you know who who's there to greet you and so on yeah okay cool i mean i mean on a separate note i mean this is what i'm doing tomorrow night is i've got um i've run sound baths now which is something that i picked up um about sort of six months after my uh my retreat i went away and did a and did a course on uh using the crystal bowls and the tibetan metal brass bowls um so and i really enjoy doing that um and that's a nice um it, it's a i mean they just sound so beautiful um and it's just a really nice setting i mean because it's like the savasana that you get at the end of a yoga session um and all you because i mean for me i always really liked that end part and you're just kind of listening to you know the calming music and you're just relaxing at the end of it and i guess you know the whole probably the whole stretching and everything allows you to really kind of unwind at the end um but yeah this is just like that and it's like pretty much an hour of just playing the bowls uh, and the vibrations and stuff that come off them are really quite uh, can be really quite powerful um but i know that I want to be on the other side. I need to get somebody else to play them one day or just go to another session. Uh, or maybe I'll set up a session and I'll get somebody else to play and I'll, and I'll swap places with them. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy uh, I, I, I really like that. Um, and I know that people say that, you know, people report to me that they can have some real kind of profound experiences and have those sound like really like whirling around and going in their ear and out the other ear and everything. And, but it's also about the vibrations and stuff that's balancing all the chakras, which is what the theory is. Um, mm -hmm. It's just such a, you can hear it. You, you can listen to it on a CD. Um, and that is good uh, for the kind of, you know, um, what's the word? Is it cerebral um, element? That, but to actually get the physical experience of the vibrations on the body and stuff, I think adds a different element to it. Um, Absolutely. And, and I would tie that back into um, my experiences with, especially um, drumming during a ceremony, the vibration is very powerful and um, it can, it can feel cleansing. And there've been times when I felt the equivalent, I, I think I touched on that earlier, the equivalent, sort of energetically of a purge from the drumming and singing like it's drawn something out of me and released it so this is a this is drumming that's actually in in an ayahuasca ceremony you're talking yes. about yes okay um because i know that my ceremonies was just about the only sounds were the uh icaros from the healers in addition to the uh, the noises from everyone else. <laughs> um, so from your ceremonies, it's just a mixture of instruments as well. The, well, di different ceremonies are different, and people do bring different instruments. Um, you know, drums and rattles and are, of course, the most common. Some people play a Native American-style flute. Um, some people have, I don't know, sort of an accordion-like instrument that comes from India, I think. Um, one of the leaders that I've sat with a number of times um, plays an electric piano and um, some of his music sounds a little bit new agey. Um, mm. 
So it's definitely not traditional, but it still works with the ceremony, um, still very effective. So I, I yeah, I've seen a var- didgeridoo is another common one. Um, mm-hmm. one, one of my teachers has an instrument they um, call the, an arco, which is a kind of a bow shaped instrument with um, like four strings, like kind of like guitar strings and, and they pluck the strings and um, it's very kind of ethereal sounding. Um, so yeah, a wide variety of instruments and songs and um, it's all very beautiful. I can imagine that a didgeridoo would be an amazing, um, an amazing thing to experience in ceremony because of the, just the sheer power of it um, and the vibrations and stuff that would come from that is, a, yes. is, is incredible. A, a couple of times, so I, I actually have a didgeridoo. I'm not super good at playing it. I've definitely not mastered the circular breathing, so I can only play one note as long as my breath holds out. But I, I have had a leader ask me to play it in ceremony, so I've done that a couple of times. And feeling the vibration with the medicine, especially playing it myself, was, in fact, very powerful. Um, so, yes. <laughs> How did you find that you coped with with being able to do that uh, in the ceremony? Um, well, it, I managed to do it. It was, you know, feeling a little unsteady with myself, but um, mm. I did it. People said it sounded okay afterwards. So um, <laughs> there you go. I mean, I, I too have a didgeridoo, um, which unfortunately has gathered a lot of dust over the years. Um, and again, I too can play some, can play a note, but haven't mastered the circular breathing. I mean, I did, um, the less, I did a class when I was in Australia and I bought it there and had it shipped home. Uh, and they were, uh, obviously trying to teach you that as like the, uh, the peak of the of the class that was what we were all aiming for but um i got no uh, yeah i didn't really uh i don't think i really got what they were really trying to tell you um it's definitely a strange um it's definitely a strange action that you've got to try and squeeze your your cheeks in to fire out the last bit of air whilst you're breathing in and then and then carry on again so yeah, it's definitely yeah, an acquired. I'm not art. convinced I'm ever going to be able to do that, but just doing a good basic drone and feeling the vibration of that, especially yeah. in ceremony, was powerful. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's that's inspiring me to want to to want to get my didgeridoo, um, take it off and take it off into the woods, uh, and 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 experience it. So, yeah, and that's that, that's that's really interesting hearing about it with all the different uh with all the different instruments and stuff. Um, when was the when was the last time you were you were in a ceremony? It's been just about a year. Of course, uh, the last couple of years, COVID has had an impact, and some of the ones that we regularly would have had were canceled. Um, I haven't heard yet if there's going to be one later this spring um, or not. I'm hoping there will be. Um, mm. And and the challenge, as as I've talked about, is to to feel to stay connected with the feeling of ceremony, even when it's been a long time between mm. ceremonies. Um, one thing I have been doing the last few months, I've been working with some microdosing mm. to, to try and help stay connected. So I've been 
doing microdosing of both um, Wachuma and psilocybin. Okay. Do you find that, um, do, you, do you notice a, re a real difference between doing, have you ever done them independently and also then trying, is that a different experience to doing them together or have you just really done those two well, together? I, I've never done them together on the same day. So, oh, okay. but, but uh, roughly once a week I'll do each of them. And, okay. and a, a microdose, and I'm, I'm doing a dose that's to where I can just maybe barely feel it or imagine that I'm feeling it, but not for a full-on journey because I'm not trying to macrodose. I just want uh, enough to feel connected. Yeah. I've been doing some microdosing. Um, and, yeah, I've got my own insecurities about connecting to it when you know, you're just trying to go about your everyday life and obviously you're just thinking I need to do I want to do this to try and help balance you but at the same time you don't want it to to accidentally be in a situation where you are feeling something when you're like right. that's so, not what it's supposed to be about so um, for example I I make sure that I'm not going to be driving a car you mm. know for the rest of the day when doing that yeah but I definitely feel like I want to I feel like I'm edging towards wanting to do that bit extra to say, okay, not to have a full on experience, but to actually say, okay, I'm getting some kind of connection to something uh, to potentially become really accustomed uh, to that. So that's what I'm kind of hoping to, well, I mean, we're coming into the spring now. So it's, this is my favorite time of year when, Yet you finally come out of what seems like a really long, a really long winter. Uh, yes. And, yes. And those... <laughs> Both of us are at fairly far northern latitudes and those winters are yeah. long and dark. Yeah. And then whenever you, those first days of spring when you smell, you, you start smelling some foliage and you just go, oh, things are starting to smell again. Things haven't, things haven't smelled of anything for so long when it's so cold. So one thing that I definitely wanted to ask you um, was, and again, this is one of the reasons why we ended up uh, connecting uh, in the first place, because we met on a um, plant medicine course uh, and you once, and you said something that really connected with me, which was um, that you were really, you were kind of afraid or had been afraid that ayahuasca was going to take you to a place that you were not going that you were going to have to give up your whole life and become a hermit and go off to the jungle and it's like you didn't want that you really didn't and it's almost like worrying that this was going to happen and you didn't have any control over it and i remember feeling that was definitely been a key thing about my journey whilst you you have an expectation you want certain things to be a certain way you also don't want things to be in a certain way and that fear of like oh if i surrender then i'm not going to be able to have this life setting that i feel like i need to have and i just remember that really resonated with me um i'm just cute i'm just curious to ask you then about how that how that kind of has played out for you throughout this journey because uh, from you saying it it makes me understand that, that you have felt that in the way 
previously uh, and worrying about that being an outcome and and working through to to realizing how you can do this and be a functioning person in this in this world as you say mm-hmm. um certainly so um our teachers in that class um gave me some good wisdom in saying that number one the plant medicines don't want to take away your free will so so this idea that if you surrender to the path all the way you're going to have to quit your job and sell your house and you know take a vow of poverty or live in the cabin in the woods or whatever um no the medicine's not trying to get you to do anything you don't want to do so this this fear that surrendering means you're gonna have to do that is um kind of a misplaced fear so that was very reassuring to hear that and then the other thing that our teachers said was that the medicine values um people that are kind of a bridge between the worlds that that's that's a valuable place to be that you know not everyone is destined to quit their job and and become an ayahuascaro and you know live this life 100% every day that that those of us who can walk in the ceremony world and walk in the everyday world and be a bridge between the two and you know perhaps help explain it to people who don't understand or that kind of thing is a va- valuable role and i feel like that seems to be where my niche is is that i'm not about to quit my job and live the medicine life 100% every day uh, i want it to be in my life and an important part of my life but i also have one foot firmly planted in the ordinary everyday world and i don't need to fear that that's going to have to change or something's going to you know as they said take away my free will that that's not going to happen so i can surrender more deeply to the medicine and embrace what it has to offer me without having that fear Excellent. And did you feel that it was during that course then that allowed you to turn that around? Was that a turning point for you with those, with that kind of cycle of yours? Well, I think the turning point perhaps happened slightly before because I had connected with one of the teachers of that course individually and she had given me the advice to surrender more deeply that Mm, the the struggle I was feeling was sort of having one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. And she said, surrender more deeply, embrace it more. And, you know, which the part of me that had the foot on the brake was scared to do. But I I did take her advice and and did do um, a couple of ceremonies where I was able to do that. And as I said, the um, it was still, I still had to work with the challenging parts, but I didn't have to work with the regret or self-doubt about being there. Um, so So her advice proved to be very helpful. And then, and then having that conversation in the class sort of further reinforced it. And um, that that touches on another topic, which is in the last two or three years, I've um, found some online community, in, both in classes and and sometimes just sort of people talking, um, talking with other people on the path. Um, so that's helped me feel more connected to the path and to the medicine as well. Hmm. And um, along with that, um, the last few weeks, I've also um, been uh, taking a break from other forms of social media like Facebook. And uh, that has made it, seems to be making it easier for me to connect with, with my shamanic path and feel, feel calmer and more grounded and less um, sort of frenetic and um, 
So that seems to be helping as well. Excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel, I mean, I think I'm doing, well, I say I'm doing okay. Um, I've definitely, well, I've disconnected partially from um, the Facebook uh, world, but uh, there are definitely, I mean, I've started, started using some, I'm not using it a bit to, well, I, well, I use it for my sound baths um, and I use it for, I've been using it recently to try and help spread the word of this podcast on different kind of ayahuasca circles. Um, but I don't have a, I don't have a, a large group of friends on Facebook anymore. And I don't really post, I never post anything, uh, no, I, I never post anything just on my standard profile about, you know, what I'm doing or anything like that. So, and I guess I've never really been, uh, much of a, much of a Facebook poster. You're really kind of one of those people in the background. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, I, I feel like I'm doing okay about stepping away from my phone a bit, but I know that doing this podcast has definitely jumped me into always checking to see if I've got another listener. Uh, which is what you're, you're like, this isn't what it's supposed to be about. Right. Yeah. And th those social media algorithms are really good at training us to be, to be like the rat pushing the button to try and get another food pellet. And um, yeah. stepping away from that for a while, I think is, you know, it's like my nervous system is calmer and I feel less, um, less frenetic, less impatient. Um, I feel like I have a better attention span at work in my job, which does require deep concentration on dealing with nitpicky details and so on. Um, so it does seem to be making a difference to uh, step away from that, at least for a while. Mm. Just going back to what you were saying about um, the medicine needs people to be in that um, middle space where you're in it, but you're also a, almost a messenger to 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 other people. Um, do you find that you talk to many people who are not on this path um, about spreading them? Not necessarily. I'm not really saying. Are you actively going out and trying to enlist people? Uh, but do you ever find yourself talking to people about it um, that that aren't part of this? And you're almost like educating them about it. Um, that does come up sometimes. And it's true that I, I don't want to be like some kind of evangelist uh, spreading the word or something. That's not my uh, goal at all. Um, I do encounter friends or acquaintances who are interested in the path. I've had I've had people ask me if I can you know help them find a ceremony to join and um, there are people that I, I feel like I know them well enough to know that they could really benefit from it. Um, and sometimes I've been able to connect them. Other times, the circles that I sit in sometimes are open to allowing new members. Sometimes they're, they're not open to that and they only want existing members. Um, but so, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to spread the word, but if the conversation does come up I, and if, if I hear people um, who maybe don't understand how the medicine works, I'm happy to explain my perspective, which, and I'm very clear that mine is not the only perspective. I, I have a fair bit of experience with this, but other people's experiences could be quite different. Um, so so it, it does come up um, at times, and that there are um, 
some people in my life I'm what I would say out of the medicine closet with and some people I'm not so like very often in my job I'm really not out of the closet about this path um and often it may not feel safe to be but in my personal life a lot of my friends and family know about it and some some don't um yeah um so how um yeah do you feel that there's anything um like the, that you really want to share that we haven't kind of covered yet um or is it not really does it not really work like that for you i know that i'm kind of come i always come at this from a kind of like linear i mean this route this route is not linear at all um i'm always like right you start here and you move through it all and you kind of go through this cycle and stuff, and then you might go through the next kind of cycle and stuff. Um, is there any kind of like specific things that you feel like you would, that that you haven't covered yet that you feel is important to your journey? Um, I'm trying to think if there is anything specific. We've covered quite a bit, and, you know, I really enjoy talking about this past, so, um, and I probably could talk for hours about it. Um, but I don't know if there's anything specific I need to cover that we haven't already. Um, yeah. I mean, do you feel, um, I mean, do, do you feel complete um, from the conversation that we've had uh, this evening? Do you feel like what we've kind of covered um, is a good representation of what your, of what your path is? Uh, to to date um i feel like it's a fairly good representation um if, if there's anything else i want to what else would i say if i if there's anything i'm missing um sorry i'm putting i'm putting you i'm putting you on the spot which is exactly what we're not supposed to be what we're not supposed no, to be doing about quite, things like this quite all right um i guess the one thing i would say maybe that i haven't is that um when when I'm in the the harder parts of the ceremony, feeling feeling emotions, um, sometimes it's not just my personal stuff, but it feels like it can connect with the collective. Um, yeah. And and I've you know I've certainly been in circles where people, myself included, have the feeling that we're not just purging for ourselves, that we're purging for each other, and that you know we're our energies interconnected and. Um, that that you can feel stuff that's not just your personal um, issues. Um, it is, for example, one thing that's come up a number of times in ceremony for me is just feeling my heart feeling heavy at the amount of violence in the world. Um, that's a, a theme that's happened several times, you know, and and the amount of environmental destruction and so on that and you know poverty and suffering and just you know, so feeling my own personal issues, but also feeling the collective. And um, when you say collective, are you are you referring specific? I guess are you referring to both the collective within the group, but also extending to the collective, like as in the yeah. world? Yes, both. Both. Sometimes it feels like it's stuff that's in the room, and then other times I can feel just stuff that's really global. And um, I think one of the learnings from that is when I see some of these um, problems in the world, my first response is often anger 
but underneath it, there's a heartbreak that um, I can feel in ceremony. It reminds me that underneath the anger is just this real sadness at seeing so much suffering that feels like it's unnecessary and and the you know wondering how to help make the world a better place and reduce some of that yeah i know that that's definitely something that i yes struggle with on a day-to-day basis just i mean especially seeing where we currently are through everything that has been over this last kind of couple of years um yes but it's 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 also such a strange you know we all I mean, part of the things that I've learned over this journey and in my kind of learnings and, you know, the kind of integration support that I've had, it kind of makes me realize as well that, you know, we're so, a lot of the time we're so focused on things being good and things always leaning towards good. And if it's not like that, then something's wrong. But it's also it's when you kind of realize that you have to come to terms with the fact that there's an infinite amount of possibilities. We label them good or bad um, in such. And we're like, okay, we have to be leaning towards the good. Whereas you kind of realize it's like it is if it's infinite, then anything is possible. Then the bad that we label is just as likely to happen as the good. Um, and the uncomfort, the discomfort, should I say, that we feel associating with what we consider to be the bad is actually just another normal, another normal experience. And surrendering is an everyday life um, practice uh, to be able to surrender into something like that uh, as well. Um, and yeah, the suffering of the world is a yeah. It's it's just crazy to think what what is going what is going on, especially all the stuff that's going on in my I say my vicinity. It's still pretty cl- it's still quite a long way away in the Ukraine, um, but it's it's really close in the sense that it's on the doorstep of Europe, um, and it's kind of then that kind of. Uh, you know, from everything that we've been going through over the last kind of two years, um, you're kind of thinking that it's going to subside and, you know, they've raised all these fear levels about, you know, the whole COVID thing. It's just been about that. But, and then we step into, onto the, onto the doorstep of World War Three, and then you're just going to go, oh my God, how can we be, You've got to ground yourself a lot to not let that uh, yes. run away well, from you. Watching the war in Ukraine, of course, has been very painful. And here in the United States, um, the last few years, we've seen a whole lot of you know, politicians pandering to racism and bigotry against LGBT people and so on. Um, and just so much ugliness. And... Um, it's been really hard to watch and I'm trying, I try to be mindful. One of my teachers has um, said that, and I try and keep this idea in mind that maybe it's like our society as a whole is going through the equivalent of a purge and ceremony where all this, all this stuff that was really buried is coming up to the surface in in the process of being released. And maybe we can't see it yet. Maybe it takes 
you know years or even a few decades but this this you know formerly unconscious stuff is really coming up and you know we see it right at the surface but that hopefully there will be uh, some letting go of this stuff and healing from it that you know maybe just hasn't happened yet but is the process is ongoing right now and um so I try and remember that and have some optimism that what feels like a really dark and scary time may actually be part of a growth process for society yeah. as a whole. I remember there was one of our teachers on our, uh, on our medicine course that we were on. Uh, she mentioned about how everything is constantly expanding and contracting. Um, and it's just really interesting to think about, you know, we're going through a huge contraction at the moment. Um, and then it's like it will always expand again afterwards. Um, and it's like you think when you're expanding, you're going to be like, oh, you'll expand forever. And it's always on the up. But at some point it will have it will start to contract again. And there will be all infinite contractions and expansions. But uh, it is. Uh, you're constantly going through that cycle of expansion and contraction, uh, and there's a there's a severe contraction going on uh, at the moment. And again, it, like we say, this is a it's a process of surrendering to that contraction. Um, and yep, sitting it out, and that expansion will come again. Um, mm -hmm. Well, and it, it's never linear. That's true. It's not just straightforward linear. So, you know, I guess, I guess it makes sense that after we elected a black man as president, then there would be a racist backlash. And, you know, that that's the expansion and contraction you're talking about, um, that, that it wouldn't just be straightforward progress and everything gets better and better without shadow elements and problems and so on. Yeah. It just kind of reminds me of a quote that I kind of had once of my guide saying, uh, we kind of we kind of come to these uh, practices and stuff expecting to feel better. Um, but at some point we have to face up to the truth, whatever it is. And sometimes and a lot of the time that won't make us feel better. Um, and I guess that's part of the whole. Yep, there's got to be that contraction before, uh, before the expansion. Um, but was, uh, that was always something that's, yeah, it's it's it's. This path for me has always been about specific learnings and nuggets that you've picked up along the way. That are, that act as your kind of anchor at times of whether it's severe contraction or just contractions um, and having that awareness. I mean, I was just speaking to my wife about this, this, this last kind of few days because I had a very anxious cycle that I went through after my ceremonies. And it's very easy to just focus on that the process was only this bad section of time when I had a severe crisis. Um, but it's like, I don't really see it like that. I see it as 
I can see what kind of came out of all of that. Um, and the process of saying, okay, that was you experiencing what you need to experience in order to wake up from it. Um, mm-hmm. Or whether it's a case of you experiencing it in order to wake up from it. But more importantly, waking up to see what's going on and starting that detachment. Um, and whilst it's like it's an ongoing process that, yes, you may not be complete from a, it's being able to view it from a detached point of view is the grounding that you're always intending to come back to. Um, and if you could say that you're complete in this process, you could potentially say that that's the moment that you are potentially always detached from everything that's kind of going on, that you can view it and observe it and allow it to be the clouds passing. Like, so they say, you you know, if you've, to watch your thoughts like they're just clouds passing uh, across the sky and not attaching yourself to anything because it's so easy to just get stuck to something, to be that magnet, uh, to stick to it. And then prizing yourself away can be difficult when you're, when you're, when you're locked into that. Um, but it's just such an interesting path to become to just wake up to seeing that um atta- seeing that attachment to things um is, mm-hmm. is, a, is a huge i mean for me i find that that's probably my key that's probably what defines my path to now is learning or uh, becoming aware of the attachment and reminding yourself and coming round to to being de- to detaching which is difficult sometimes depending on the level of attachment that you have allowed in the in that moment to kind of unravel yourself from mm-hmm. and i i was i think um my experience with the medicine has taught me that these attachments are you know the things that maybe we've driven unconscious you know that are down there underneath um i really feel like we have to bring them to the surface and feel them before we can truly release them there is no get rich quick scheme you have to do the hard work and feel the hard feelings before you can release and truly be detached and free from what you're struggling with yeah and that's but that's such a important point to what you've just said which is you know with my analytical head and that you've got to rationalize something and you've got to unpick it all but actually you don't really need to all you need to do is feel and allow yourself to feel exactly and feeling and feeling safe in allowing yourself to feel and that's the most alien thing to a lot of people is uh feeling yeah being terrified of feeling because i know that that's something i reckon i i connect to 
a lot um, and trying to normalize trying to normalize emotions uh, I was looking back at my uh, something that was said uh, a number of years ago about all that and it's like we're going through the process of trying to normalize uh, the experience of emotions and uh, yet knowing that emotions aren't that aren't um, they're not dangerous um, and there's another quote that I had that you know that awareness can't be harmed um, and it was a so I've just I've said it on a from Cordy uh, she from the previous episode she recommended that the Bhagavad Gita um, and one of the key elements to the beginning of the book um, is the learning of your spirit or your awareness can never be can never be touched or harmed uh, your body might die um, but your in your spirit or soul inside that is untouchable um, and it's it's a concept that you're kind of like you can slightly get that um, but that's also then saying you know you're you're attaching yourself to the physical pain that this body would feel um, and that's what you're kind of afraid and attached to but when you really tr- and times that I can tune into that and I and I totally believe that th- it's not even a theory it's just I believe about the uh, the awareness inside that is untouchable that is there uh, yes and certainly the, the topic of facing these fears and you know fear of death is a big one that has come up in ceremony many times and um, and I can feel the the part of myself that feels the sort of the western scientific skeptic that asks how could consciousness possibly survive if the body dies and then the medicine itself that says uh, there's more to it than that and don't worry about it um, I felt both of those um, experiences in ceremony a number of times and are these are these experiences then that then comfort you in your everyday life it's it certainly can and and yes and feeling feeling like there is there is more and that there is this um this consciousness that that could survive um is very comforting and um there are times when i have doubts but there are other times when i'm pretty open to that idea um and yes, it is definitely comforting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I said this before that, and I don't know whether I'm just being naive about this, but I really don't. I I don't feel like death is this fearful prospect to me. Like you say, you're not wanting, you're not wanting death by any means. But some people just live in just utter fear of it and just can't even talk about it. Um, but even, you know, the concept has occurred to me recently that, you know, what a profoundly beautiful experience or opportunity death is to experience what is beyond that 
it's just such a, a really strange alien concept to actually say that is a potentially the gateway to something so spectacular that you couldn't even yeah you can't even put into you can't even put into words um so it's like a another another chapter of something if that yes. makes sense <clears throat> well and um when i mentioned that working with the teacher who wanted me to surrender more to the medicine um so that same ceremony, my, so my goals were to surrender more deeply and also to really work with facing the fear of death. So um, <laughs> surrender deeply to a powerful medicine and face death. Like, no big deal, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, so, so I was bracing myself that, oh boy, this one's really going to knock my socks off. It's going to be super intense and I, you know, be ready for that. And um, it turned out not to be that way at all. Um, it was no more intense than a typical ceremony for me. Um, the main thing was, as I said, I didn't have that layer of my own resistance. Um, and then as far as death, um, that proved to be a lot gentler and milder than I expected. Um, so I, I was um, I was looking in the space I was in, there's a, a skylight and you could see the outline of trees, you know, against the night sky above it. And I was looking up at that and it formed, I saw the shape of a dragon and as I was working with my fear of death and it, it kind of morphed and then it was a bear and then it morphed, it shapeshifted it several more times and each time it became less scary and more gentle and the medicine was like, you know, you don't need to worry so much about this, you know, it's fine. Um, you know, you don't need to have that fear. I mean, look at all the times you've been with me in this ceremony and you know that there's more to the universe and to reality than than the the skeptic that's afraid is able to feel. And so that that part actually proved to be surprisingly gentle. And the harder part of the ceremony was dealing with some stuff around my job and my career, <laughs> but not yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so was so, that something was that something then that you say you went in with a specific intention to yes. to surrender more and to address your fear of death? Mm-hmm. Well, that's... Yes. I, I, I would just say then straight away, hats off and respect to to sit there and go, right, you're deciding, going, right, give me this today. Give me this huge thing that is a huge fear and actually walking straight into that. But obviously it's how you react to an experience is generates how you deal with it or how it turns out. The experience is probably the same, but how you react to it is different. And if you're going in, if you're stepping into something willingly, you're much, you're already in an experience of surrender as opposed to going in to ceremony saying, I don't want to have to deal with anything to do with death tonight because I'm so afraid of it and I'm going to, I'm just so terrified this had better not happen. Um, so then if that does come up, you're in a state of severe anxiety and you're in your fight and flight mode. But if you're actually in a, right, I'm, I'm welcoming this today, you're already on the front foot um, and you know ready to relax into that experience and that's 
Yeah, it's it's funny how you can you can experience something that could be scary, but with your perspective on it, different uh, makes all makes all the difference. Um, but being able to do that is not the exact. There's there's no there's no science to that. Um, mm-hmm. Other well, than brace, other decision, than surrender, right? And the the decision to quit running from something and avoiding it and turn around and face it, you know, is not easy. Obviously, we've I think we've all struggled with that, and <laughs> many times have avoided things that we feel are too hard to deal with. But in this one case, certainly um, turning around and facing it, it turned out to be a lot less. Uh, daunting than I expected. And then uh, right after that ceremony, then COVID hit and I wasn't able to do ceremony for quite a while. Yeah, that sucks. Um, it just it, it just reminded me actually about the whole turning around and facing something. It reminds me of the fact that I have this recurring dream of being chased. Um, and you know, you're really getting yourself in a really anxious state that there's something chasing you and you're trying to get away and a lot of the time I'm like you know you, you know when you're in your dream and you're trying to run and you can't actually grip the floor and then you're kind of like grabbing onto handrails and pulling yourself along and yeah and a lot of the times I do wake up in a real like you know in a really anxious state and hyperventilating or almost in a nightmare state and I've said to myself so many times it's like if I could remember in that moment, I want to stop and turn around and see what's chasing me. Um, but I haven't yet remembered in the dream <laughs> to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's something note to self. Uh, and one day, I really hope that in this dream space going on that, I can actually turn around and and experience that. If anything, as well, when this moment it's almost like there are certain moments in this, well, if I'm going around a corner or something and some fear entity comes around the corner and surprises me, I go into probably what I can see now is a severe state of resistance to that. And that's what overwhelms you and wakes you up in some kind of like nightmaric state. And there's an exact scenario of saying, oh, actually... And I'm talking in strange, weird things that that's a situation where you go, oh, in that space, you can be like, accept that and 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 uh, surrender to that and allow yourself to feel the intensity of whatever that is presenting itself to you. Um, but it's in a dream state. What am I talking about? I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, but these things happen in waking life too, where you feel something's chasing you, your, your fears are chasing you, and and we have a tendency to shrink from things and avoid them, and and then doing the work of being willing to turn around and face something, you know, that's something I think we all have that challenge. Yeah, and the funniest, well, here's here's the paradox, because you don't actually need to do anything. We say it's hard. The hard work is just allowing yourself to experience it, but you think you've got to do something, but actually in that situation, you don't need to do anything. 
you just need to stop. So therefore, that in itself is the easiest thing to do, but it's also the hardest thing to do. That's my thought on that. <laughs> Indeed. Um, simple, but yet sometimes very hard. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of integration is just allowing yourself to feel. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's, I think that sounds like a, feels like a good place to complete uh, where we've got to. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, this conversation. Uh, I've really, it's it's so great to, to hear your experiences over, like you say, many years. Um, and I've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed the, uh, the discussion that we've had and, and the topics that we've discussed. Um, and again, I, I hope, I hope that, that, that you feel that you've managed to get, uh, to, to feel a completeness about, uh, telling your story and that we've covered the sort of things that you would, that, that you would like to, to contribute to this kind of, uh, this library of experiences. So I want to definitely th thank you for, for, for being a part of this. Thank you. It's I've I've really enjoyed this conversation as well. Um, this path is near and dear to my heart, and I enjoy talking about it. And I'm happy to share my experiences and hope that that will help other people on the path. It'd be interesting, at least. Um, so uh, yeah, this has been a great conversation, and I've really enjoyed it. Great. Thank you so much. And I will uh, look forward to uh, speaking to you again soon. Thanks for making it through to the end. I really hope you enjoyed the content and managed to get something out of it. Remember, if you liked it, I'd love it if you clicked follow to be notified of future episodes. And also, it would be gratefully appreciated if you would share it with anyone you think might be interested. Hope to see you again.